Today in the Attorney Career Advice Podcast with Harrison Barnes. People are going to hire people that have an interest in something. Things you studied before law school, again, are very important. Law firms can tell a lot about you based on the quality of firm you work at. You have to develop that passion because if you don't develop that passion, someone that has that passion is going to be better than you. Now, breaking into a new legal field is your next question, which is also a very good one. Let me just see here. So you're trying to break into a new legal field and you don't have experience in that area. How can your resume display that you do the job and you want the job. So law firms are very nervous about hiring people that aren't from a certain practice area. So in order to do that, you typically need to move down in prestige quite a bit, whereas you can move from one firm to a two firm and a two firm to a three firm. You might have to move from a four firm to a two firm in order to get into another practice area. The reason is it creates all sorts of doubts from the firm. The way to think about it is through this matrix. Again, can you do the job if you don't have the experience and they have no way of knowing, right? They don't know if you can do the job. And if you're trying to break another practice area, the, most people that try to go into other practice areas are going to the practice area because they're unhappy practicing law and all sorts of things and hoping that a new practice area will make them happy. Most of the time, they won't do the job long term. Can you be managed? If they're doubtful, maybe you won't commit to that practice area or have any reason to commit. And, and then do you want the job? You may want the job, but they don't know if you'll stick around either. And then do we like you? Or they may like you, but they have no incentives. You can certainly move to other areas and so forth, but it's much more difficult. Okay. So this next one is regarding a cover letter. If you're unemployed at the moment, how do you... Regarding a cover letter, if you're unemployed at the moment, how do you talk about yourself? Do you refer to your last attorney role? Yeah. Well, lots of people are unemployed. They People are laid off. They're they may have left their job for family reasons. They, there's all sorts of reasons. What I typically recommend in terms of talking about why you're unemployed is not talking about it. It's going to be asked in the interview. You're better off being asked that question in person many times after you've had a chance to make a connection. Even if you were fired, you, the idea is that most employers, if they bring you in for an interview, want to hire you. They're really looking for reasons for you to disqualify yourself once you bring that in. You can just say my most recent position was with this job where I did this and this. If you have references there, you can certainly give them, but you you often, if you're unemployed, you don't really want to give a lot of information. And the reason is just because then you allow people to disqualify you based on that if they don't like those reasons. And many times when you're talking to people in person, they're seeing a different person and a different experience related to that. Okay, the next question is, does it matter to have relevant experience for an entry-level position? And no, but your resume, but your resume needs to look, you're the type of person that would be happy doing that job. You need to look like a good fit for what they're looking at. The only things that the law firm really has to gauge you on, especially for an entry level are what you did in the summers, what you did before law school, what you studied before law school, and what your interests are, and then how you did in law school. And then where you went to law school. So that's really the only things that a law firm can evaluate you on prior to for an entry level position. So it's very important. And for, for this is just for all law students that may be on this call. It's very important to get relevant experience. It's very important to 
get experience in a law firm. So your first summer, you can do things like work for a judge. It's pretty easy to get a job, for example, volunteering to work in a federal judge's chambers or the Justice Department or a law firm or sometimes. But it's very important to get some sort of summer job your first summer that's going to position you to get a job in your second summer. If you want to work in a law firm, it's very important, extremely important after your second job summer to get a job in a law firm doing something. That something should be related to the practice area you want to do, hopefully in the location you want to work at, and you should get a job with the best firm possible. If you can't get a job in a law firm, most people can't, but assuming you weren't able to get a job in a law firm, then you should try to even volunteer in a law firm to just to do something and show an interest in something because people are going to hire people that have an interest in something and preferably in a certain location. And that's going to set you up for stuff now. So that it's just very important to, to try to get a, a summer job. So I see resumes all the time of people that are federal law clerks. Like they're working in a federal district clerk, but they've never had a law firm job. I see resumes of people doing all sorts of things. And those resumes, from my perspective, are often very difficult to get jobs for because the person has no law firm history. Law firms are want to hire people that look like they want to work in a law firm, that, that that are likely to do it long-term, that show an interest in it. So the summers are important. I really do urge everyone to do your absolute best to get summer law firm jobs. It makes it a lot easier, regardless of whether or not you get an offer, just getting some sort of law firm job, it will get you hopefully another law firm job later on. I've seen people, by the way, I that it taken, but you can even go to work for a solo practitioner. I've seen people get jobs as solo practitioners in their summers paying $15 an hour or whatever, and then take that job. Maybe they were doing a certain type of practice area. It could be construction law. It could be some side of IP. And then turn those that $15 an hour job around to a $15,000 a month job and when they graduate just by having gotten that experience. So your summers are important for entry-level experience. What you did before law school is very important. People that were engineers are often have very good opportunities in patent law, for example. People that were in the healthcare industry, same thing. People that were accountants and taxes. So anything you did before law school that's related to your practice area shows an interest in it. So that means you're likely to stick around and be a good hire. Things that you studied before law school, again, are very important. So if you studied something related to majored in business, working as a corporate attorney would be a natural output of that. If you studied something related to English and writing, uh, litigator, so all these sorts of things matter. Listing interests that are related to things like that. What interest could be clubs, but more important than clubs would be what you've written, what written things along those lines, talks related to, to, to the sh- subject matter is very important because if a law firm sees that, that's important. An example would be if, say you wanted to work in healthcare law and in the summers you worked maybe in a law firm that represented hospitals and then, but it was a small law firm. And then in law school, maybe you were majoring in nursing or before law school, maybe you were a nurse and then Maybe you studied that before law school. And then in law school, you were in the health law club. That is considered experience. So that's how you show that type of experience. You show it based on things that you've done. Someone that was a journalist and majored in English and before law school and wrote in the newspaper and stuff, that could be relevant to being a litigator or professional, all these types of things. So you are someone that was worked in business as an analyst or something who's relevant to corporate law. So those are all relevant. So that relevant experience is important. And then a lot of times, so that's how you position yourself to work in law firms. You want to try to find out what is the practice area that looks that it looks like you're going to do and how do you tell your experience to do that. So 
If you're applying to be a corporate attorney in a law firm, you would take your resume and what you would do is you would try to strip out stuff that makes it look like you're not interested in corporate law, which would be being a member of groups that have nothing to do with that. and Or maybe they do, but they're too far removed. Litigation-related work, or I don't know, but whatever types of groups that are things that are not related to that would try to strip out. And I'm not telling you to remove experience, but you try to make it look like, and then if you've written papers about corporate law things or been in corporate law clubs, you would emphasize that. And then the final one, just for an entry-level position, is how you did in law school and where you went to law school. So obviously, good law schools are help you and going doing very well in any law school helps you. So if you did really well in law school, you can that's going to determine the type of entry level position you can get. Going to New York Law School and finishing in the top 5% of your class would give you it's not maybe the highest ranked law school, but it's a good law school. Especially if you want to work in New York City. Same thing with University of Albany or University of Buffalo, like working in local markets. If you did really well in a law school or even some national markets can happen. And then going to a good law school can also help with that as well. Okay, a couple. there's a lot of questions. So I'm going to keep asking them and I'll be answering them. And some of the ones are asked earlier, I'll also get to, but I'm just kind of on this page right now with the old ones. Is a better description of a dealt with as we do in law firm websites act as a contractor for high construction disputes for ICC or my own competencies, legal research, drafting submissions, et cetera? Okay, so yes, you're better off describing experience that is not generic. So everyone expects a litigator to do legal research, draft different documents and things like you're talking about. You're better off describing thick types of things rather than being general. So if you're applying for a litigation job, the, one of the reasons that the, the ranking of the firm you're at is so important is because the ranking, like this one to five stuff, the ranking of the employer that you have experience with is so important is because there's different types of requirements in terms of what's expected of individuals at different types of firms. One of my friends when I was practicing law started his first day at an insurance defense firm. And they, and this is a funny story. They, what had happened was he had, and this is years ago. This might have been even in the early 90s or late 80s. Or but they had, he had received a letter one day from a law firm he was going to work with. I think it was Morrison Forster. And it said, you're welcome to defer your job with us for a year, or you can cash this check for $30,000 and not come back after a year because the market was very slow. And again, lots of law firms did this at the time, and they're probably even doing it right now. They are doing it right now. So he just said, boo, I'll cash the check and took the check. And then his first job, the only job he could get was with a small insurance defense firm. And he was from great law school and everything. It was just a bad market at the time. And so he took a job with this insurance defense firm. And his first day, they rolled in 150 cases on a push card and said, these are your cases. Let us know how they go. Contact us for settlement approval or whatever. And so he just was with no experience, with nothing was expected to do that. So a lot of times the firm you're at, that of course would not happen at a five firm or a four firm or a three firm. But the smaller firms, a lot of times will not give a lot of training. The quality of work because of the sophistication of clients isn't that important. Law firms can tell a lot about you based on the quality of firm you work at. Do you know the secrets to getting your dream legal job? We do. And one of the best things you can do is apply to jobs that fly under the radar. Applying to openings with very little competition means you stand a much higher chance of getting hired. But how do you find openings like that? For starters, you're not going to find them on major job boards because these jobs are usually only advertised on companies' websites and in small regional publications. That is why we created Law Crossing, the most comprehensive database of legal jobs in the world. 
we have a team of people constantly working to find every single legal job out there. Unlike other job boards, which only list jobs that companies pay to post, we include every legal job we can find in order to maximize your chances of finding a job. So what are you waiting for? Head over to www.lawcrossing.com to find your dream legal job today. So if you're at any Law 100 law firm, and you just write down, I'm a litigation associate, and then and that's all you say, they know what that means. If you're in a three firm, they mean, so then you can talk about that. But then you need to talk about and more kind of specifics. The reason that it's harder to get a job in a five firm as opposed to a four firm, as opposed to a three firm, is just because of the type of work and the depth of work that they go into. So at a five firm, a litigator may not even talk to a client for their first several years there and may be working on in-depth memos and looking at things in a lot of depth. And they're taught to think about practicing law in a different way. Whereas at a one firm or a two firm, people are just getting stuff out the door. If you're trying to move from a two firm to a four firm, you would try to give the impression on your resume that you're doing work in a way that these larger clients expect. And larger clients expect to work that way because they they believe and they're actually right a lot of the time that spending more time on things gets better results and they can afford to spend the money. So if you're at a firm where you can spend the time and money to look at things, then then it's helpful. And and this is a big thing in the legal profession. So I would a lot of you may become solo practitioners, you may work in smaller firms, you may do all sorts of different things. And typically the people that are best in anything, whether it's athletes or music or anything, medicine, are the people that are able to really spend a lot of time becoming experts in something and look at things in a lot of depth. We talk to, you study the most successful athletes, they practice the most and they understand, they work on the intricacies of things. And the same thing with attorneys. Large companies can afford to pay people to do a lot of work, which produces a certain type of attorney compared to a smaller firm many times. To answer your question, describing projects you've done in more detail is more important many times than just saying you have the ability to do legal research. One of the ways, by the way, that a Attorneys demonstrate their skills is often with, and you can do this on your resume, is often with transaction sheets. So a transaction sheet essentially is a sheet that will talk about all the transactions you've done. If you're a corporate attorney, if you're a patent attorney, we'll talk about all the patents you've written. If you're a litigator, we'll talk generalities unless it's publicly reported about different cases you've worked on. And, and I've found that the best attorneys always keep these because they're just very proud of it. That's their life. And they're proud of the work that they've done and the experience they've gotten. So instead of just listing on your resume. Anytime I see an attorney with a transaction sheet, that automatically shows litigators do. Everyone that takes their job seriously does it because it's your marketing piece. And the reason what I'm talking about today is so important about your resume is that in your transaction sheets and how you position yourself is this is what you don't understand. And what a lot of people don't understand is this is your business. Like being an attorney is something that gives you a license to go out there and run a business and, and you're selling your skills and your and the work that you do. As a business, you need to be able to to sell yourself. And, and so that's what your resume is. It's your sales document. And if you were a company and had one sales document, like what would you do to, how, wouldn't you make that the most important thing in the world? Okay, here we go. This is a good point. And I'm going to add this one. And then again, I'm going to keep adding these questions. There's a lot of people that have asked questions. I'm going to get to them. It seems like many 
many employers prefer to have fresh faces right out of law school or maybe multiple rather than some with lots of experience 10 to 20 years, even if that experience is that route, it directly relevant to the job. The result is not even getting an interview, even when extremely qualified for the job. Would you suggest in terms of adjusting a resume to practically avoid this type of bias? So, yeah, so there is a lot of bias in the legal profession. It's always been there. It's not particular in firm. It doesn't make people how it works. There's also a bias in athletics and Hollywood, and it's just the way it is. So people come out of school, and when they come out of school, they typically have fresh ideas, but also a lot of enthusiasm, and they're willing to learn, and, and they have a lot more energy, and they're prioritizing their career over family and other things, and, and they also typically have sour grapes. And what are sour grapes? Sour grapes are you go to an employer, you have some bad experiences, and then you want to avoid those experiences, so you act in a certain way, or you're defensive and stuff in the future. And it's like that in every profession. I'm not, it? frankly, in my business, I was even thinking, I certainly believe that I have a lot of fresh ideas. Certainly people that are younger than me would a lot of times see social media and things a different way than I did because it certainly didn't exist when I started. And that stuff is all very relevant. Law firms are the same way. They're looking for typically either very young people what, or right out of law school with a few years of law school who are still enthusiastic and really want the job. Or they're looking for people with experience that have a lot of business. So when you're young, when your wires are young as associates, your, your main product that you offer the employer is you offer them the ability to work hard, but you offer them the ability to commit. They offer you the prospect of maybe being a partner if you put in an extraordinary effort. You offer them the, those are the main things. And, and then you offer them the ability to learn and then the ability to make partners feel important based on the work that you're doing and so forth. And, and people certainly like to feel important. That's attorneys. Everyone likes to feel important. It's one of the primary human needs is to want to feel important. Essentially, what that means is you want people to, whatever it is, and partners like associate and not associates to make them feel important, they like secretaries to make them feel important, they want to feel like a big deal. People, just how it is. And so when people become older attorneys, many times they feel like they know everything or they know how things are done or they're unwilling to do things that matter. So how do you adjust your resume to avoid that bias? If you're applying to law firms, most law firms in major cities have, there's different types of attorneys. There's Minders. I'm sure you've seen this before, but I'll just write it down. Binders and grinders. So a minder is someone that watches other people doing the work, which is our kind of admin people. Binders are typically people that go out and do the work. And then grinders are the people that do, uh, people, binders are people that bring in business. And then grinders are watch people doing work or administrators. Then binders are bring in work. And then grinders are the ones to do the work. So you're, if you don't have business, you're not obviously a binder. Then, and, and you may not have skills as a minder. Minder jobs are often very sought out in law firms by people that don't have business. Those are hard to get. Then you become a grinder. Law firms, by the way, will hire grinders all the time, and they don't care, you know, how if they believe work, they will hire people with 20 plus years of experience if you're the best person they can find. So I get calls from and every day. Well, job orders and things from law firms all over the country seeking grinders. Most of the time, they're seeking grinders in very specific practice areas. So it could be like securities law. It could be a certain type of patent work. It could be healthcare. Who knows? But they always need grinders. So the way to, to get a job and avoid the bias is basically to be like, this is what I do. I love this work. It's all I've ever done. I would like to work for you. And so you can certainly get positions as a grinder as a more senior attorney. Law firm 
pharmacists tend to prefer binders to grinders. Eh? That's what at the senior level, because it's much more difficult to give grinders senior level work. But the problem with giving grinders senior level work is that means that instead of a partner doing the work that a senior attorney has to do it and they have to, essentially what happens is partners, when they bill out their own work, make more money than if they give it to someone else to do. So most senior level attorneys would be billing out as a senior attorney and billing out as a senior attorney, they would be basically taking away money from partners. And most attorneys, most clients also want senior attorneys to partners to do the work rather than a senior attorney coming from possibly another firm. I got that one. Let me just see here. Okay, these are great questions. Can we get an agenda or slides? Sure. Someone asked this question to obtain CLE credit. That's a great idea. Let me see here. Yeah. So I um, can send the slides from this. I'll ask someone in my, from the from this to send the slides to everyone that was on the call. That's a good idea. So this question is the length of an attorney's resume. How many pages should it be? The best resumes are typically often the shortest. You don't need to do a lot of description of what you do. But one of the problems that I don't like, and this is actually a very good question. One of the things that I don't like is there's all these kind of professional resume companies out there that do resumes for attorneys. And typically what they will do is they will write this huge, this huge introduction and, and the introduction will go into a lot of detail about the person's experience. It'll say something like motivated and experience a corporate attorney that does this and this. And typically when someone sees that, they automatically know a resume company's done it. And then often they'll use keywords and all sorts of things with the expectation that won't be reviewed by humans. In some cases for it's true, but the resume really should, if all possible, be one page. And then you can attach a transaction sheet. You never need to go into that much detail. Often a resume longer than one page is just confusing. So I one of the I don't know why they do this, but attorney resumes are the worst. They will go into an incredible amount of detail that's unnecessary. And typically, the longer the resume, the worse the attorney. And I don't mean that in, in a, uh, an insulting way to anyone, but you should not need to say a lot of information. The employer that you work with should do most of the talking, and you should have very short things. And the problem with long resumes is it's often confusing because you'll, the person will say, here, I did this, and then it'll be a completely different experience in another another employer. And then from there, it'll be even different experience. And you're like, what the hell's going on? I have no idea what this person's doing. And it's just, and it doesn't get people jobs. And so the way to get a job is to have a very short resume and very focused and makes it very clear what you do in one practice area. And, and again, I've seen resumes of, I have candidates that Tons of interviews and you could get a lot of interviews, but, and it doesn't matter where you went to law school. It doesn't matter. What matters is your focus and how focused the resume looks. It's really the most important thing. Now, it's not to say that you can move from a one firm to a four firm with a resume that's not with your resume, but you can get lots of jobs at firms that are at the caliber of work that you're currently doing based on your resume being focused. And so everyone should have a focused resume. There's nothing wrong by the way, with not having, with being at any type of, with any type of firm, you, everyone needs to start somewhere. And every practice area, by the way, this is something to understand too. Like I want to be very clear that there's nothing wrong with working at a one firm. Some of the attorneys that work at run firms make more money than attorneys at four or five firms. I have some lemon law firms that, which I guess sue auto manufacturers when one of their clients' cars is breaks down too much that pay three or $400,000 a year to associates. And you can make a lot of money in all sorts of practice areas and you can have a lot of job security in all sorts of practice areas. You can a lot of times one law firms because they're consumer facing 
You can have very good, run a very good business. Uh, you can, if you learn insurance defense, you can start working directly for insurance companies and have very good business. And there's all sorts of opportunities that every type of law firm or practice area. So I'm not by any stretch of the imagination being critical of any practice area or any size firm, but your resume should just say what you do. Do you want to take back control of your legal career? We have a solution for you. Harrison Barnes, the number one legal recruiter with over 20 years of experience, hosts weekly webinars followed by live Q&A sessions every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. These webinars are packed with helpful information that you can use to advance your legal career. Best of all, after each webinar, Harrison stays for as long as needed in order to answer every question. Okay, so another question, is it a good idea for young attorneys to hire a professional resume writer? I would say in most cases, no. And the reason that I would, if it's you feel like you're in crisis, then maybe you can. But most resume writers don't really understand things through the, the same in the same goggles that a law firm's looking at things. They're just seeing it through their eyes. And, and when you have humans looking at things from a certain point of view, that's not good. So a lot of times I'll see professional resume writers and they'll say something like, I went to Harvard Law School and I worked at this big firm. That's great, but they're only going to see things from the perspective many times, not always, of someone that went to Harvard Law School and works in big firms. And so they're going to think if you're not someone like them, that whatever advice they're offering is unimportant because you're not. I hate to say that, but humans are often there. They bring their prejudices to things. And, and because of that, it influences the final product and can be very risky. I had, it's interesting, like I hired lots of recruiting coordinators in the past to work at our company. And I've hired them from big firms, like think whatever. But I remember this one recruiting coordinator I hired. She was from was probably the largest law firm in Chicago. And so she, unbeknownst to me, was requesting everyone's transcript that was applying that I was assigning her candidates that approached our company and almost no one was good enough to work with her. So she would take them and basically push them out, applying the same standards that this firm that has Supreme Court clerks and all sorts of things working in it was applying to all of its applicants, which is insane. That's an example of someone bringing their prejudices to an attorney. That So you have to be very careful about having people work on your resume. You're often better off just... One thing I would say, what could be would be fun because it's such an important document. Sometimes maybe taking getting the opinion of a couple of different resume writers could be helpful, uh, and seeing what they do. The problem with resume writers in general um, is when they do these kind of write ups and they write up about what your resume, what they when they write things up, they'll typically they'll write all this stuff at the beginning, like saying I'm an accomplished this and this and spearheaded this. And, and really what they're doing is they're, they're writing it for you, the customer and not the employers because they're bringing out all your experience. You think you're great and, and, and it makes you feel good about yourself, but it's not something that necessarily will get you a job. I hate to say that, but that's, and then they've learned through experience that that's what makes people happy and gives them good reviews, but it's, not necessarily always a resume that gets people a job. I'm not saying there's people that are bad at it because there's probably, there are very good resume writers, but it's a very different, difficult job. It's a very difficult job. Okay, I'm just looking through the questions. I don't really see any more. I apologize for this whole thing freezing up. Let me see if there's any other question. Yeah, and this is someone saying they used a resume writer and had to review one. And that's from Renee, and that's a good point. And said, so what is the best way to address a resume gap when an attorney is taking time off work? 
and due to medical concerns. So people take time off from work all the time. It's very common, especially for people having kids or traveling, or but kids are a big one. Medical concerns are also a big one. I interviewed, I've interviewed people before. It was funny, I opened an office in Las Vegas years ago and I was interviewing people and some of them had these gaps in their resume. And I was like, what are these gaps for? And and a couple of people wouldn't give me answers. I'm like, that's weird. So I Googled them and found out they'd been to jail or prison. And that's why they were at their gaps where one person told me they'd been to prison. And I thought that was, it was funny. It happened in Vegas. And of course, I didn't hire them. But, but so the point is, uh, taking years off from medical concerns, is, that's very common. Uh, lots of people will take time off for those reasons, also for having children and raising them. I saw an interesting thing. I bring this up just because I, there's a lot of very good firms that will allow people to take even years off to raise children and come back. Davis Polk is one of them. Someone took years off there and came back. It was a very good firm. But the point is that you can always address the resume gaps and law firms will either accept it or not, but people can definitely get jobs if you've taken time off due to medical concerns. You you can talk about it. You can say the reasons in an interview. It often makes you more likable and that makes people feel good that they're helping someone that may have had problems in the past or it can turn the firm off and think that you're going to continually have problems. The biggest drawback, I think, from an employer standpoint of hiring some more medical concerns is those concerns that motivated the, the medical leave in the past typically will often come back. And, and that's the problem is that the People that took the medical leave at one point will then take it again. And so you need to be able to convince people that's not going to happen. And and I say that as someone that's hired a lot of people, I have a big heart and I've hired a lot of people with serious medical problems or who've overcome them. And, uh, and almost always I can think of lots of instances that come back, whatever those were. So you have to be able to convince people of that, that it's not going to happen again. Okay. Is being overqualified for grinder work a problem? Should I read? draft my resume for mid-level positions. So what you have to think about, again, you have to look at things from the employer's point of view. So again, the idea would be for a grinder job, law firms are asking, can you do the job? Will you do the job long-term? So if you're someone that's had a lot of history of business generation or leadership, and then you're suddenly trying to apply for a grinder job, law firms are going to know that you're probably not going to want to do that. And so they're going to try to not hire you. If I had a job for someone to just sit down and work, and all the person talked about was their leadership ability and how they've done all this. And I would run for the hills because I know they wouldn't do the work. Now, I might have another job for that person, but for the most part, I would know I need a certain type of person. So you typically are going to want to have a resume, especially for a mid-level job that's going to talk about that. You can Law firms, depending on the law firm you're applying to, they may want you to look like you have the ability in the future to generate business or that you're starting to generate business and and that you but you're very humble about it. Don't make the law firm feel like think you're better than them or too good to do work because you still have to be able to do the work and, and that's why they're hiring you. And now the business you bring may be an extra benefit. Okay, someone asked, can a law student's resume be less than half a page? And the answer to that is no. You probably need to have something that is, is at least a page. Now it can be short. There's nothing wrong with that. But you have to also, you want to look like you're interesting or interested in something. So it can certainly be short, but, and, and it doesn't, you don't want to have too much loss on there. But you do want to have enough on there that it looks like you're interested in being an attorney or you have some sort of experience. But yeah, less than half a page is not. I'm, I'm, honestly, I don't 
know that I've ever seen a resume like that. That's less than half a page. So you need to try to get stuff on there. Now, if it is only half a page and that's all you have, that may be okay. But I would say you want to try to make your resume a little bit longer. How can you showcase your skills and qualifications if you don't have any campus involvement to include in your law school resume? So there's nothing wrong with not having any campus involvement on your resume. You attorneys are businesses and law firms are businesses. So people will still hire you without any campus involvement. Maybe your emphasis was on working a job while you're in school. Maybe it was just on your grades. So there's no need to have any campus involvement. But typically what I would say is if you are interested in the practice of law and, and you're interested in, then you should try to get some, you should try to get some campus involvement on your resume or be interested in something whether it doesn't have to be campus on campus. It can be something outside of campus or related to what the kind of work you want to do. But you have to want to hire people that are interested in something so they can channel those that passion into something. It's interesting. There's, there's a lot of discussion about Harvard admitting people and how that works and, and how colleges and admit people, not so much law schools, but colleges. What a lot of colleges are looking for when they become very selective is they're looking for people that show a passion for something. It could be, I remember when I was applying to colleges, my advisor was like the person that got into, I don't know, Harvard the year before or something or whatever was interested in bugs and you know, but didn't have great grades and just were interested in bugs. And, and so colleges typically and law firms are the same, want to challenge your passion for something into hours and achievement in the legal profession. So it could be your practice area, it could be something, but they need to be able to channel that into something. So if you don't show any particular passion, you're just practicing law, then you're not really reaching your full potential. An example would be what I do. So I'm very interested in this. I love it. I do it. I start my day at 4 to 5 a.m. and I've been doing this. And, and, and that's one of the reasons I have information to offer. But if I wasn't interested and I was just doing this for to earn money or to whatever, or to pretend like I'm a big deal because I went to a big law school and I want something that makes me look like I'm still involved in the legal profession. I don't know, but this is what people do. And people go into professions all the time for the wrong reasons. And you need to realize that the more passion you have for something, the better off you'll be. So when you look at a lot of the most successful attorneys, they're very interested in some time and what they're doing. And they have a lot of passion for it. I don't know why, but but it's natural to them. Uh, very successful corporate attorneys I've met have passion for business and they love business and they love advising businesses and they consider themselves experts in business and they love coming up with solutions for businesses. And it's very exciting to them. And same thing with litigators. Litigators often have a lot of passion for a certain aspect of litigation. Same thing with patent attorneys, with technology. And so you need to have some sort of passion. And that's what the best colleges are looking for. That's what the best could be swimming. And best colleges, they don't care. They want a passion for something. If you're a really good athlete and that helps school, but it also that can be channeled into athletes often become very successful later because they've had learned discipline. And it's just, you have to be passionate about something. And, and that's the biggest piece of advice that I have. And in your resume, to the extent that it reflects passion and interest preferably in a subject matter is important. I, I'll just give you some examples. I, I talk to very successful attorneys all the time. And, and one of the most successful attorneys in Los Angeles with a book of business that is now north of 80 million. It's just hard to believe, but it's true. The, it's just 
passionate about not only practicing corporate law, but advising businesses. I mean, he just loves it. He thinks about it all the time. He drives around and it's insane how much a successful litigator, very passionate about litigation. Often there's passion about a certain type of litigation. So you just have to have some interest in this stuff. And it's not to say that this interest has to, you have to know what it is. You may not even know graduating from law school, what you're interested in. You may not even know in two, two or three years, but you have to develop that passion because if you don't develop that passion, someone that has that passion is going to be better than you. They're going to get clients. They're going to think about who you would want to hire. Would you want to hire someone to represent you that was just mildly interested in something or just doing it because they had good grades in a school? And that doesn't make sense. I have, have a lot of relatives that are lawyers and doctors and things like that. And, and but the ones that are the most successful have a huge interest and passion. And the ones that aren't are often the ones that were the smartest, but don't have any interest. And they're doing things like you know, working for the government and jobs where they aren't that accountable. I'm not saying there's anything wrong working for the government and not criticizing it, but they don't, they're not making the most of their talents where they could be, where if they were passionate and really interested in something, they could be doing a lot more. That's my advice. Now, you don't have to know what that is, but you have to find something that taps into your natural skills and makes you very effective. I had, it was interesting, and I'll just tell the story and then it looks like this is all the questions and then I'll end it. But my, oh, there's one, okay, there's there's one other question I'll answer, but I just tell this quick story. I have a relative that grew up in this very traumatic family where there was substance abuse and fighting and this person was mediating disputes all the time and then became very good at it from a very young age, from like the age of five, don't hit my mommy, daddy, all this kind of stuff and, and uh, very sad. But this person became very passionate about and tuned in to mediating disputes between people and then became an extremely successful person that had a job created for them in a major corporation to do paying hundreds of thousands of dollars a year with an education from a fourth year college mediating and disputes between basically clients and the company. So it's just that you can, anything you're passionate about and interested in should tap in some, maybe to your childhood, it can tap into the subject you're interested in, it could tap into your experience, but it should be something that moves you and makes you interesting and interested in something because that will make it fun for you to do. And then if something's fun for you to do, then you're going to do a lot better at it in the future. The legal field, this is something you should be worried about. Probably, probably not. You don't need to know people in the legal field to, to get a job as a law student. And But you should try to get to know people. You should try to go to events. You should try to go to bar association events and learn about things. You should try to go to events in your school. You should try to go watch speakers. And you should try to connect with these speakers afterwards. And uh, most of my mentors and people that I've met came from getting out of the library and getting out of the, my office and going and meeting people. And, and so that's something I would try to do. That'll, doing that will show you the kinds of things you should be, you can be interested in, the kinds of people you can be interested in, things that make you interested. In. You, you may go to a, some people will go to a talk on tax law and think it's the most boring thing in the world and feel like jumping off a building. Other people will go and think, wow, I can't believe where's this tax law been all my life. And so going to talks, listening to different people's experience, videos, emailing people saying you enjoyed a talk they gave online or just anything you can do to connect and get out there can be extremely helpful. Well, thank you everyone for being on this webinar and all of your questions today. 
and we'll be back next week. It'll be fun to do a, a resume review, but we will, uh, and we may do that, but I, I do appreciate everyone being on this call. I will also try to email everyone the uh, PowerPoint as well, so you can hopefully get credit for that. So I think we do have your email addresses, so I'll try to send what the PowerPoint would have been for today. Thank you. That's all the time we have for this edition of the show. If you are an attorney looking for a change, head on to bcgsearch.com. 